Happy Friday, Story Fam. Hey, believe it or not, we are now one week away from Christmas Day. I can't believe it, <laughs> but I'm so excited. I can hardly stand it. In fact, we at The Story are so ecstatic about Christmas this year that we've started celebrating already. We still <laughs> started last night at our Traveler's Christmas Eve service on the 17th of December. <laughs> we just couldn't wait. Um, and if last night uh, in that service was any indication of how beautiful and how powerful the rest of our Christmas Eve services are going to be, you don't want to miss out on this year's um, candlelight services. So we've still got six more services to go this Christmas Eve. Outdoor Christmas Eve Eve on the 23rd at 6 p.m. outside on Blanton Field here on the River Oaks campus. And then we've got three Christmas Eve candlelight services at our River Oaks campus, 2 o'clock, 4 o'clock, and 6 o'clock. And then we've got two services at our brand new building, the Timber Grove campus at 4 o'clock and 6 o'clock. Now, um, the two, 2, 4, and 6 o'clock will be live streamed on Christmas Eve. Those are the only ones that are going to be live streamed of all of our services. But if you're feeling healthy and like you're ready to worship in person, um, due to our COVID-19 safety measures, you're going to need to plan ahead if you want to worship in person this Christmas Eve. So be sure to visit thestory.church slash Christmas, thestory.church slash Christmas to reserve your family's seats at the service of your choice. Um, be sure to do that soon, too. Some of our services are already filling up. But I would especially encourage you to, to visit that Timber Grove campus, uh, one of those services at 4 o'clock or 6 o'clock on Christmas Eve. We've got availability there. And uh, just to see the campus and be a part of the first ever services there on Christmas Eve of all days, I think that would be a really, really special experience for you and your family. So be sure to, to RSVP today. Now, um, I wanted to give you all a little update as we prepare to move on finally from 2020. And we're looking ahead now to 2021, which will mark our first year ever of operating as one church, really on three campuses here at River Oaks, Timber Grove, and our online campus is taking off right now. And by some combination of miracles, God has made it possible during this year for the story to reach exponentially more people than ever with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we really see no signs of slowing down in the year to come. So I'm going to say it one more time this year. The story needs your support. Um, despite our friendly relationship with St. Luke's Methodist, uh, we are not financially supported by St. Luke's or by any other church or organization. And I know that these are trying times that we're living in, but as followers of Jesus, I do believe this is our time to shine um, because people are more ready than ever to receive Jesus and give him a chance um, to lead their lives. And in 2021, by the grace of God, the Story Church will be more prepared than ever to share the gospel with more people than ever. So your support means the world. Um, our projected budget for 2021 is now $2.3 million, which is down from 2020, um, which is amazing somehow that worked out. And so far, 141 families and individuals have sent in commitments for 2021 that total around $1.2 million. So... We're getting there, but we still have a you know pretty heavy gap to fill as the new year draws near. So if you've already committed your, uh, your 2021 pledge, thank you so much uh, for that. But if you haven't yet and you'd like to take care of that today, I'd invite you to visit thestory.church slash pledge, thestory.church slash pledge to quickly and conveniently let us know what your anticipated giving will be in 2021. 
I'm sorry that that's probably pretty boring to listen to, but I can't thank you enough for listening and for all your love and all your support. Um, I don't think there's any better investment we can make of our time and treasure than in sharing the gospel of Jesus and his hope with the world. So thank you in advance. For today's Friday Grace and Truth Reflection, I thought I might offer a little preview of my Christmas Eve message this year. Uh, This is going to be a shorter devotional than most Friday devotionals are, but if it piques your interest, don't worry. You'll get to hear the rest of it at one of our Christmas Eve services next week. One thing that every good leader knows is that your why always feeds your what. So you need a you need a what, you need like a day-to-day purpose, but you also need a why, which is your deeper purpose, your meaning for, um, for doing what you do. Whenever people forget their why, their what will inevitably lose its meaning and people will eventually lose their way whenever they lose their why. When it comes to Christmas, we seem to still know the what of it all. We know that Christmas is a time for joy, and love and giving and forgiving. But what is your Christmas why? What's the why behind the what? I would suggest that if our what is the Christmas spirit, then our why must be the birth of Jesus. But that's where a lot of people miss, I think, the point. That's where a lot of people have lost the plot. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke with a young man in his 20s who had done a little bit of online research on his own. And he had come to the conclusion that the Jesus story is a myth. He said uh, he's not sure that he can keep calling himself a Christian because, in his opinion, Jesus just sounds too much like other ancient gods, many of whom predate Jesus. So these other ancient gods are older than Jesus is. And those similarities are just too prevalent to, to be taken seriously, for Jesus to be taken seriously. He mentioned how Jesus isn't the only God-man who was miraculously conceived and born of a virgin on December 25th under a prominent star and then visited by the three kings. So how are we supposed to believe that the Christmas story of Jesus' birth is true or any more true than any of those other myths are? In some way, my young friend was absolutely right. It has been said, for example, that Attis, who I mentioned a couple of weeks ago on Friday Grace and Truth, Attis, the ancient Greek god of vegetation, was born of a virgin on December 25th, 400 years before Jesus walked the earth, and that as an infant, Attis was visited by three kings, and later in life he had 12 disciples. The Hindu god Krishna was also said to have been virgin-born. He was baptized around age 30. He was called the Lamb of God. He was crucified between two thieves. Dionysus, the Greek god of the grape harvest, was born on December 25th, was crucified, and rose from the grave. When people hear about these ancient gods who were being worshipped long before Jesus walked the earth, it's easy to wonder whether Jesus is just one of many myths, one of many man-made myths. But here's the thing that you need to know about Attis and Krishna and Dionysus and Osiris and the like, they never ever walked the earth. They were never thought to be human at all. Not even their most loyal followers have ever made the case that their gods, their ancient gods, actually had earthly existence. 
among all of these so-called gods, Jesus is the only one who ever actually lived. And what's more, more interesting than that, I think, is that when you do your homework on ancient pagan gods like Addis, Krishna, and Dionysus, you learn that their stories, unlike Jesus's story, their stories were never canonized like the New Testament was. Their stories were left open, open-ended for centuries. Um, even up to now, there's not an official story for each one of them. They've just been left to evolve in different ways in different times and places. None of them had anything in common with Jesus until at least 500 years after Jesus walked the earth, when their followers began to weave elements of Jesus's story into their God's mythologies. In other words, Addis wasn't virgin-born until after Jesus was. The same goes for Krishna, who supposedly um, lived, quote-unquote, 800 years before Jesus. He'd been worshipped that long. Krishna was also supposedly virgin-born, but Krishna had eight older siblings in his original story. So yeah, his mama wasn't exactly the Virgin Mary, if you know what I mean. Also, no one ever said Krishna and Dionysus were crucified until centuries after Jesus had died on the cross. The original Krishna myth said that he died in a hunting accident, and Dionysus was dismembered and devoured by the Titans when he died. But again, neither of them ever actually lived. So who really cares how they died? None of these guys did the things Jesus did until after Jesus did them. So the early Christians didn't borrow from other ancient gods to make Jesus sound more like them. If anything, as the gospel spread like wildfire and the church of Jesus Christ took over the world, the Greeks, the Romans, and other pagan cultures recast their fictional godmen to look a little more like Jesus. Jesus is no myth. Christmas is no legend. The story of his birth does not begin with once upon a time because it's not a fairy tale. It is a historical report of real events that actually took place around 2,024 years ago, give or take a year. If your Christmas what is the Christmas spirit, then the why behind your what is the birth of Jesus. I pray that you will let him become your why, your purpose, your reason for living, your reason for loving God and loving the people around you. Let him be your savior because he really was born and he really was born to save you. That's all for today, everybody. I hope to see you one of our Christmas Eve services next week and before that even at our Sunday services this Sunday at 8.30, 9.45, and 11.05, either online or in person. And remember to get your seat for in-person worship. Visit thestory.church slash RSVP. I love y'all. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye.